how our family relationships and particularly again our fathers, our fathers, our earthly fathers, how they shape how we view God as, a, as our father. And then our culture, how our culture influences how we see God and, and um, talked about how Western culture especially is extremely self-focused um, and um, a lot of times we make ourselves our own God. Our circumstance, and we talked about how sometimes what is happening in our lives dictates how we view God, how we see him, and um, talked about that um, sometimes when we're in the thick of our circumstances, one of the things that might pop into our mind is that we can't really see God um, in our circumstances. We talked about that's because he's not there. He's not in our circumstances, but he's with us in our circumstances. So sometimes we get that confused. We, we think that God should be in our circumstances making things okay for us. So um, who has an okay life all the time? Well, nobody does. That's because but God wants to be with us. It's personally, he wants to be with us. He wants to walk with us in our circumstance. As our father, as our father, as we would walk with our children, um, one of the things I learned about being a father was it's actually not my place to go in and fix everything for my children. Because um, if you do that, you're not really empowering them to grow and to become an adult, are you? So the same with, with our Heavenly Father with us. He doesn't go in and fix everything, but he's with us. He's with us in our circumstances because he wants us to grow and become more like him. And then our religion. And some, most of the time religion doesn't have a lot to do with Christianity. Um, we can be religious about a lot of things. But religion is, is basically about us. It's about me. It's about that I'm important. And, um, but when we serve Jesus and when we serve Christ and when we let God interrupt our life, then it's all about him. So... He wants, he wants us to see him as a perfect father. A perfect father. So we need to let him reveal that to us. We need to ask for him to interrupt us. So I want to see you. When I run around seeing you as something that you're not, please interrupt me so that I can see you as you really are. And he really is a perfect father. He wants to see us as a perfect father. He wants us to be intimately, intimately connected to him and be placed in a fallen and broken world to display him. So it's not, a, it's not just about for us. God is for us and God is with us, but he's with us because, and he's for us because, he wants to be taken to a broken and hurting world. Amen? Amen. So we need to be... He wants us to display him. So how can you, we can't display him if we don't really know who he is. If we have all these other influences that influence our view of him, so then we're displaying, you know, I'm displaying Colin's view of God and sometimes Colin's view of God's not quite there, if you know what I mean. I know I'm really, I'm close to being perfected, but I'm not quite. You know, there's a few things, if you were with me this week, you would have probably seen a few things that, Needed to be sorted. All right. So this week, we're going to talk about a perfect gift that the Father gives. So I was entitled, The Father's Perfect Gift. The perfect Father gives the perfect gift. When I was... This is really going to display my age, but I'm okay with that. When I was a 
young lad. I liked Cowboys, not the football team. Cowboys, you know, bang, bang. Um, and so I used to watch a show when I was a child called The Cisco Kid. Anyone ever seen that show? Hey, Nick, you're my man. Not many. It was, uh, it was great. I loved it. Anyway, I wanted, for Christmas, I wanted a cowboy suit. Um, and I let my parents know consecutively, daily, that that's what I really wanted. And when I got it, I got it one Christmas, it was fantastic. I just thought it was the best. It had the trousers, it had the cowboy vest, and most importantly, it had the two six-shooters and a supply of caps to go with the six-shooters. So Christmas Day, um, there was no bad guys because I killed them all. I'd ran through the house and the yard and got rid of everything, and so I was the hero of the day. Something that I really wanted, and I got, and I thought it was fantastic. Do you know there's something, I don't know if the world, I'm not sure whether the world really, world really wanted it, but there's something that the world really needed. And there's something that it need, really needs today. And that is it needs a saviour. And do you know that we've, we've got that? We've got it. God's seen what we need and he's given it to us. I want you to, if you've got your Bibles there and you're at Luke chapter 1, we're going to read. Verse 26. Let's read together. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to, the, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One, sorry, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be as you have said. Then the angel left her. Are we right? I'm just going to play a clip. It's a, it's a song by a a cappella group called Penetex. And um, I just want you to really watch it and listen to the lyric. It's amazing. And then we'll continue. Oh, 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 oh,
your baby boy would one day walk on water. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? Did you know? Asking God for a miracle. And yet, the, the greatest miracle, the greatest miracle that's ever happened has happened, that's ever been known. It, it, is, it is the greatest miracle. And yet, <laughs> we, we keep asking for more. We keep wanting more from God. And yet, He. <laughs> the greatest miracle, did you listen, did you listen to the lyric of that, that song? It is amazing. 
Talk about feeling overwhelmed. Mary must have felt overwhelmed. My goodness. It is the greatest miracle. I pray, I pray that the next time that I find myself asking God for something or asking for a miracle, I fall on my knees and ask him to forgive me because the greatest miracle has, it's happened. And we are so fortunate that that miracle, is, is, that miracle was for me and that miracle was for you to come and save us because we, we're lost, we're lost. When he came to Mary, when the angel came, I don't know in what form the angel was in, he said to Mary, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. I just think this gives a, this scripture, and we're just going to go through it, gives a great picture of how God lovingly approaches people. He didn't whisk in. He came in and he said, Mary, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Her immediate response, she was fearful. Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wonders, wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And then immediately... He reassured her. He said, do not be afraid, Mary. See, again, you have found favour with God. It's just an amazing picture of how God approaches us. And God interludes. He reassures her, Mary, again, you have found favour with God. And then he goes on to deliver the promise. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever his kingdom will never end the promise and then immediately Mary I mean what a promise How would you be if God came and said that? Immediately Mary is full of doubt and fear and says, How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin, unmarried. Then the miraculous that only God can do. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. The miraculous that only God can do. That only God can do. Reminding Mary that he is the God of the impossible. He is. He's the God of of the impossible. 
And then verse 38. Immediately she just begins to trust. Her absolute trust in God. She says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be as you have said. Then the angel left her. Is that your prayer to God? Is that your answer to God? When God speaks to you? Do you think that was a huge interruption to Mary's life? Do you think that Mary had plans? I think she did. She had a boyfriend. She had plans. The virgin pledged to be married. She's probably... What happens if you were planning your wedding and you, all these things were mapped out? How many people... All of it was mapped out and all of a sudden God interrupted you with his plan. What would you do? What happens if Mary said, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, God. Sorry, this can't happen. I'm about to be married. I can't have a baby. Imagine the shame. I can't, I can't, this can't happen. I've got all this organised. My life is planned out. We're going to get married. We're going to buy this little house. You know, and we're going to have fun and raise a family and it's going to be fantastic. And I've got a job and I'm going to work for so many years and I'm going to retire. And, you know, we have all these plans mapped out. And I'm sure Mary had plans. But God interrupted her plans. Because why? Because God's ways are not our ways. And God's plans are not. They're they're way higher than our ways. We get so locked in to what our lives are about that we forget that we serve a higher purpose. So much bigger than who we are. We're just little. This is the saviour of the world. And yet when he interrupts us, when he says, and he doesn't interrupt us in a bad way, he says, you who are a highly favoured of God, he comes. Do we turn toward him or do we turn away and say, I'm a bit... I've got, I've, got, I've got my own plans. I've got things that I need to do. I mean, we're in a... I, <laughs> when I drive around, especially in a week like this when it's just a little insane, you, you just see people. They're just about... People, that, people do not... It was really great that Nathan mentioned Christmas Day service and what Christmas Day is all about, even though we, we all know... But it's so easy to get wrapped up in our culture, we don't even have time for God. We don't even have time for Jesus because we're just so about, I've got to, I've got to get my list of gifts. I've got, you know, sometimes, I don't know, <laughs> sometimes I just think we should just be about Jesus for the whole week coming up to Christmas we should, because that is the greatest gift we'll ever get. Doesn't, it won't, there's no better gift than that. A red SS Commodore that the, my daughters are going to buy me is not going to save my soul. It'll make it better get... No, I'm just... It's not true. It's not going to... The greatest gift that you could ever be given by another human is not going to change your eternity. 
but the greatest gift that has been given has already changed your eternity. How thankful are you for that? How thankful are you for that? All right. Jesus came to. I've just got three things that Jesus came to do, to be. It's not a definitive list. First thing, and we're going to read a bit of scripture, so you might want to turn your Bibles to John. We'll start at chapter John, chapter 6. So let's just get ourselves ready there. So last week we talked about the Father. So what is the first thing that, what did Jesus come to do? He came to reveal the Father because he came to reveal perfection. He came as perfection to reveal perfection. John chapter 6, and then we're going to go over to John chapter 14. John chapter 6, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your, fa- your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread is my flesh, which I will give for life to the world. And then let's turn over to John chapter 14. Jesus, the way to the Father. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where we are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. What an amazing connection Jesus had to his Father. He came to reveal him. 
I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. What I want to ask you today is, what is our connection like? What is your connection like? What is your connection to Jesus like? What is your connection to the Father like? Jesus said the things that he is doing, we can do. How did he do those things? Because of his amazing connection to his heavenly Father. He only did what his Father instructed him to do. Jesus was never about what he wanted. Never. He was never about what he wanted. He could have been, but he was never about that. He was only about what the Father wanted. See, again, I come back to what do we spend a lot of our lives doing? Who are we about for a lot of our lives? For a lot of my life, I'm about me and what makes me feel content and what makes me feel happy. I... A lot of the time I order my relationships so that they work for me. I control who I need to control so they work for me. I control my circumstances the best I can. Why? Because so that they work for me. Where in, where in that do we leave room for God? Because Jesus was never about controlling anything or anybody. He was only about the Father's business. He was only about doing what his Father told him to do if we were only about doing what god told us to do how would our life change if i was only about what god what god was calling me to do what god spoke to me about how would my life change well it would change a whole lot would change a whole lot but because i'm deceitfully wicked i default back to my own control back to what works for me how I make life work. And some days I probably don't even defer to him because I'm just so busy making life work. And sometimes at this time of the year we're so busy about our preparations for the great day which is Christmas Day that we forget to defer to the one that Christmas is all about. Who was that? Oh. I'll tell you what it's about for mate. Just get this. I was talking to um, my daughter's boyfriend yesterday. We were talking, and um, he w- he works in Brisbane. He was talking about his um, his end of year work party, and it was funny, but it was really sad because it's just a it was just a drink fest, and that's what Christmas is to a lot of people. It's just a time where they celebrate themselves. And how great we are, and and you know, write themselves off. It's not about that. It's about celebrating the greatest gift that that has ever been and ever will be given. So he came to reveal the Father, and he was all about what the Father wanted. Number two, he came to be miraculous, to do the impossible. And that, that is just in that scripture in Luke. That's, that's how it was founded. It was a great miracle. It was miraculous. It was against everything. Mary was a virgin. Mary wasn't married. Mary never had sex. 
The Holy Spirit made her pregnant. It was about, his, his whole birth was miraculous. He came from heaven to earth to be born as a man. Matthew chapter 9. Let's go there. Matthew chapter 9. Starting at verse 18. While he was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died. But come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch this cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. When Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, he said, Go away, the girl is not dead but is asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went, and he, he went in and took the girl by the hand and she got up. News of this spread throughout the whole region. Let's read on. And Jesus went from there. Two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone on indoors... The blind men came to him and asked him, sorry, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, it will be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over the region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and they said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. And I think the last verse there is interesting, verse 34. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. They were just all about themselves. They were just all about them and not about Jesus. He was miraculous. Everywhere he went, miracles happened. Everywhere he went. Hmm. Life is not about the miracle, but it's about the miracle giver. He's the miracle. Everywhere he went, miracles happened. But he is a miracle. He was born a miracle. How devoted are we to the miracle giver? Are we chasing the miracle or are we chasing the miracle giver? A lot of times I'm chasing the miracle. I want God to do what I want God to do for me. So it makes my life better in my own eyes. But if my life's not better, is my attention focused on what I need? I need a miracle and I need one today. Or is it focused on the miracle giver? 
Jesus, I don't care what happens in my life. I am, I want to be dedicated to you. I want to follow you. Because you're the one that gives miracles. He is the miracle giver. And I want to be devoted to him. So again, at this time of the year, are we focused on the miracle or the miracle giver? I mean, the one miracle that is great to be focused on is the miracle of the miracle giver. Amen? So he came to be miraculous, to do the impossible. And he wants to do the impossible in our lives. He wants to do the impossible. Not for us. Well, I guess he does want to do it for us, but not on our terms, but on his terms. He wants to do the impossible for us on his terms. Because his terms are way better than our terms. His terms will set you free. His terms will release you from bondage. His terms will set you free from slavery. His terms will change your life for eternity. My terms will change tomorrow. Or today. Or possibly next week. But it won't change my eternity, but his terms will. He came to be miraculous. He came to bring life and he came to bring it life eternal. Mark chapter 10. Oh, get. Must have got a little bit wound up. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 23. The rich young man, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his face, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Do you know the commandments? Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honour your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Jesus wants to bring life. Jesus wanted to bring life to that rich young ruler because he wasn't totally devoted to Jesus because he was wealthy and he held on to his wealth and he couldn't. He couldn't go and sell all he had and then go and follow Jesus. I'm not saying that we have to go and sell all we have to follow Jesus. I'm saying, are we listening to what God is saying to us? Are we allowing God to bring life to all of us? God, I'll just let you bring life here, but no, we can't bring life here. God wants to release you as a whole person, all of us out and all of Jesus in. Where, I want you to think about this, where does God want to bring life into you? What are you holding on to? What is choking you? Here's a little list of things that maybe, and you might be able to add that list and I'm sure you can, but these are some areas where God might want to set you free and these are things that might be choking you. Number one is pride. Is pride choking you? Attitudes, anger, Unforgiveness, hurt, pain, 
a relationship that you might be in. Money, an agenda, fear, opinions, control, your way of doing things, a belief, a possession or possessions. We, a lot of these things we think are godly. Like we think we have a godly belief system. Man, I, I thought I had an amazing godly belief system in part of my story that I was telling you last week. But God, but God wanted to tip all of that out because my belief system was all about me and my opinions and what I thought. But what about if God wants to tip all that out and re-establish what you believe? And say, have you thought about this or have you thought about that? We get so firm that we know. Well, we don't know, but God knows. God knows. What about if he wants to challenge something that we've thought for years and years and years and hold on to so tight? What happens if he wants to do that? Are we going to let him or say, no, no, God, no, this is, what you, this is what you believe, this is what you say? Well, how do we know that? We know what he believes, but we look in here, but are we prepared to see that as God wants us to see it? Or are we just looking at it as how we want to see it? What is choking you? True life is only found in him. True life is only found in him. And that's where we need to go to. So on Christmas, Christmas Day as we celebrate, because it is a celebration, it's a great celebration, but what are we celebrating? Is it a day where we just celebrate us, we celebrate our life, we celebrate our children's lives, our family's life, our friends' lives. We do all that. But let's celebrate the life giver. Because that day, when he was born, he changed. He changed our lives forever. He changed our lives forever. Christmas is about Jesus We give gifts to remind us of the greatest gift ever given.